0: And prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of. Grace to all with Paul Gray, and I'm just delighted today to have my good friend Daryl Prophet with us, and some of you, many of you already know Daryl and the great work that he's done. Before, I'll tell you a little bit about him before we get started, Daryl, uh, He's an Episcopal priest. He was ordained in June of 1991. He served four different churches during his ministry from Chicago, where he loved going to visit the Cubs, see the Cubs play, to Houston. He's got a doctorate. His church here in Lawrence, Kansas, where I first knew about him, uh, was recognized as the second fastest growing Episcopal church in the United States. He's won all kinds of awards, and his last full-time pastorate was in Katy, Texas before his decision to step down from full-time ministry and uh, focuses now on writing and helping other congregations. And he's working on his first book, which I'm really looking forward to having that finished and, and be able to read it. And he'll tell you a little bit about why he decided to leave full-time ministry. Uh, he continues to preach at the church here in Lawrence, non-denominational church and at other Episcopal churches as a supply. We call him supply pastors. I'm not sure what you all call them, but welcome, Daryl.
1: Well, it's great to be here, Paul. Even though we, I can only see you on my phone right now.
0: Well, some people would say that's enough.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we we have enjoyed. Uh, Getting to know each other much better than, uh, than we previously did uh, in the last year or so of Daryl and Julie being back here in Lawrence. And Daryl, start out by uh, telling people how your evolving understanding of God's unconditional love and grace for all people. Uh, tell us how that's changed your life where the rubber hits the road with your family, friends, everybody.
1: I had kind of an, at least in my mind, a fascinating journey discovering uh, God's grace at the level that I have. I think I started out when I was a child. I grew up in a fundamentalist church, uh, very legalistic. They taught that women shouldn't wear makeup or jewelry, and going to the movies was bad. I I remember going to church camp in the summer, and they would separate the boys from the girls. And I was fascinated by that. I didn't know what they were doing over there. I remember finding a little hole and looking through to see uh, what evil they were up to. (laughs) Uh, Because at home, I was able to swim with members of the opposite sex without any problems. And so that's sort of uh, the way I I grew up. But I I wandered away from that, even as a young man, uh, never losing a a sense that God was real. But I just couldn't buy into that, even as a kid. And uh, it just didn't seem right to me. So I wandered around for a number of years. And it was actually my wife who introduced me to the Episcopal Church. And so I became an Episcopalian. And I had felt a sense of a call in my life as a young man. And, and so and the Episcopal Church seemed to be a pretty good fit. And so when I went to seminary, graduate school, it began to open up an understanding of God that I couldn't articulate, but it made such sense to me. And it was all about God's grace and all about God's love. And I, and I totally, completely embraced that. But then after I left seminary and began to serve in the church, I got very interested in church growth. And there was a, a sociological treatise published, I think, in the 70s that said why conservative churches are growing. And so I read that with great interest and, and intent to grow the church where I was serving. And so I began to embrace a lot of conservative understandings. When I say conservative, I, I should say fundamentalist understandings of who God was. And even though there's a part of me that's sort of... Uh, I just, I struggled some with it, but I thought, hey, if this is what I grow a church, I get them in and then maybe we can change things. But uh, that <laughs> didn't quite work as I, as I had hoped. <laughs> so during my ministry then, I did see the church grow, but I had this gnawing sense of unease that I was growing the church and uh, I was not being honest. Mm. And so that became that gnawing sense of unease became a a real challenge for me as I continued on in my ministry. But I thought, well, so be it. And then my wife and I faced a tragic situation that took place and that we lost our oldest son. He was living in northern California and he suddenly got ill. It wasn't a long illness. Uh, We heard about it on a um, Thursday afternoon. And by Monday, we were flying out to Northern California, and uh, we were able to be with him when he died. In the Episcopal Church, one might call it last rites, but it's really just extreme unction. It's just in the prayer book is called a prayer at the time of death. And I was able to do that for my son we prayed a lot about it, of course, for his healing. The church in, in Houston in Katy, Texas, was praying for his healing. I kept getting messages from people saying God was going to move in a powerful way. They were just convinced of it and that Joseph, our son, would be okay. And so sitting there in his hospital room and, and praying for him and looking at him and examining my heart, it was both uh, cataclysmic for our family, but it was also cataclysmic for my theology. And so we buried him back here in Lawrence, Kansas, and that began a process of a great deal of self-reflection, a great deal of re-examining my own heart and my own theology. And what I, I've called it since, kind of God used that to um, break open my theology like a walnut. I mean, I just, I examined everything and questioned everything, never questioning the goodness of God. That, and that's what's interesting to me as I think back on it. I was never angry at God. I never questioned the goodness of God or the grace of God. But I did question where I happened to be at the time with my own understanding of how God operated and the grace of God. You see, Joseph was raised in the church, and he had been a chorister in, at St. Luke's in Evanston, Illinois, he had been in a choir, I men and boys' choir in England. He was in choir in residence at Windsor Castle, all of that. But he had walked away from the church. And he had what I called kind of a creative understanding of God. And one that, as I had gotten more fundamentalist in my theology, one that troubled me. And one of my first thoughts after his death was, is he in heaven or is he in hell? Mm. And I was amazed I even, even thought that way. But it did. It kept, it kept coming to me. And so, one of the things that God did for me at that time was there was a book that fell into my lap that I picked up. And it was a book called Love Wins. (laughs) Many of you know that Rob Bell is the author of that book. And that was the absolute first book I read after his death. And I put that down. I could not put it down, but when I did finish it, I thought to myself, that's it. That's it. I'm asking the wrong questions. Yeah. In fact, I was reminded during that time of something Joseph had said to me. And uh, Joseph had said to me, I can remember exactly where we were. We were in the car. He was an undergraduate, I was taking him to school. And he said, Pops, I got it figured out. And I said, Joseph, what do you mean you got it out? I've got my doctorate. I've been to school. I've been a pastor all these years. <laughs> and I'm still trying to figure it out. What do you mean? And he said this. And Rob Bell would have just loved it. He said to me, Pops, it all comes down to this, love. It's all about love. He says, the only question is, can we do it? Not absolutely. Absolutely. I didn't say it then, but I said it after Joseph went to be in the very presence of God. And I know this day with all my heart and with all my soul, Joseph is going from light to light and strength to strength in the very presence of God. And I didn't need to do this, but I have asked God to forgive me for putting him in a box, <laughs> uh, putting God in a box, and perhaps even leading a few people astray, thinking that God was more like, you know, a creature of my own creation instead of the God who said at the end of each day of creation, it is good. And looks at the human race and says, It is good, it is so good that I am coming to earth to change the very nature of what it means to be human. And so the effect that's had on me, you know, God bless my wife. She's gone with me through many iterations, many incarnations of who I am. And I think in her heart of hearts, she said, Finally. My Daryl is back and I came back. And so, so it's not like I discovered something along the way and then changed. It's I rediscovered what I already knew to be the truth. And I'm so thankful for that. And while Joseph's death is a tragedy and I continue to grieve uh, his loss, I am so, so at peace knowing that God was able to use even those tragedies like that to do something very beautiful.
0: Wow. I, I used to call them goosebumps. I call them Jesus bumps now. And even though I've heard you tell that, and you told me that story before, I still get Jesus bumps just hearing about it. It's all about love, Pops.
1: Oh, it is. It's, and, and the question is, can we do it? And the answer to it is we can't do it, but God can through us. And yeah. I think that's the key. If we can let our barriers down, If we even let our theological constructs down enough to be embraced by a loving God, then it changes us. It changes our hearts. It changes all of our relationships. It changes the way we look at others. It changes the way that we look at people of different faiths. It changes the way we look at people without faith. And instead of somehow being the arbitrary judge of all, we get to be, you know, a conduit of God's grace to share that love with others.
0: Ah, uh, We do. And it really does change everything. I, the Lord's been really showing me lately. He never quits showing me how much better he is every day. But, but he's been showing me that the key, I think, for us to start to understand these things and grasp them is we've got to be willing to let go of the box that we put him in and we've got to be willing to say okay i've been to seminary i've done this i was a pastor for my case for over 30 years and i got to be willing to set everything that i thought was true aside and let the holy spirit of christ in me tell me what really is true and then he never he doesn't stop talking
1: no he doesn't you know and uh you know, there's just a lot to lose for people. There's a certain amount of power when we can stand in judgment of others. You know, yeah. when he's, we can say, we're in, we're in the in group and you're on the out group. I preached a sermon recently where I challenged the, the congregation. And I said, are you going to be okay if when you get to heaven, you find Judas there? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it kind of rattled a few pages. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think C.S. Lewis is right, you know, in his... Uh, who and Lewis was a great Anglican, by the way. I might put that little plug in. <laughs> but, uh, when he wrote the book uh, "The Great Divorce," and you know he describes it as, you know, heaven and hell is as the hell is the place that God is trying to empty out. And I truly believe that that as long as there's one person in hell, Jesus is going to be there to convince them to get out. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so my theology would instruct me to say the only way to make it to hell is that it's very difficult to make it to hell. Very difficult. But God will allow you to make that decision, but he's not going to leave you there. Yeah, I believe that God, uh, God's desire is for us to find the goodness of who he is. And, that you know, that that just there's a lot of risk in that for people. A lot of people don't want to give up uh, what they'll have to give up to, to embrace. So it's an all-inclusive understanding and experience of God's love.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think Jesus, to me, Jesus' greatest teaching on hell uh, was in Luke 15 with what we call the prodigal son, the older boy refusing to go into the party, judging the father as being too soft, too lenient, thinking that his brother ought to be stoned to death, according to the law. He was angry. Uh, he, he was rejecting his own father. And the father stayed out there with him. And that's how it is. I love
1: that prodigal, too, because if we recall, when the prodigal son, the, the young son, went away, he was rehearsing his speech. What he's going to tell his father and his father somehow, I don't know if they were on Zoom or what, but uh, (laughs) but, uh, somehow uh, the father sees him in the far distant country and he goes to get him. He doesn't wait and then he will have none of his son's speech. He just says, come home. And that is our God. That's a scandalous God. That is, a, that's a scandal. That's no self-respecting God ought to act in that way, but that's exactly the way our God acts. He comes yeah. to the far country and that's what he did for me. He came to the far country and found me. And like I said, when I began this, I, I didn't need to ask for forgiveness because God—I mean, I, he, God is just happy that I had an open enough heart to realize that I had painted myself into a corner and there he was to pick me out of that corner and to bring me back into a full understanding experience of his love.
0: Boy, that's so well said. And we try to use words because we're pastors and writers and stuff, but there aren't any words to convey his unconditional love and goodness and grace.
1: I I think there's one thing we can say. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, indeed we can. And we want to. I, I mean, I everything changes when we uh, start to realize what he's really like. And we want to say thank you. And we don't want to do things that we used to do. Not that we won't occasionally, but uh, uh, we don't even want to.
1: You know, the amazing thing about that, you know, it seems to me that uh, God doesn't require us to say thank you. It, it just comes out of a heart that is brimming full of his love. I mean, it's, it's, it's like... For each of us, we we take a breath in, and then the natural thing is to take a breath out. And I think that's where gratitude comes from. You know, it's it's like in the middle of all of this pandemic stuff. We can still be grateful. We can still be grateful because God is still God, you know, And, and God's love is still being experienced. And we're told, you know, that we ought to be so full of fear. And I just refuse that because there's no reason to be full of fear when God is at work in our world, in our lives, in our families. There's nothing that can ever separate us from that love. Nothing. Bad theology, bad dogma, uh, misreading a scripture. all That won't separate us from God's love. He battles through that with us. And, and that's one of the things that makes him so amazing.
0: Joseph told you that it's all about love. And uh seems to me like I heard somewhere that perfect love casts out fear. Yeah, they had to so put that that, in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to God about that. <laughs> but that I could, we could talk for hours just about that. But our time for this episode is almost up. I knew it would go by really quickly as our time together always does. But hopefully we'll be able to do another episode that people can hear a week later and maybe some more down the line. But before we finish up today, Daryl, tell people how they can uh, connect with you, how they can get in touch with you.
1: Uh, Well, Daryl Prophet is with two R's, one L, two F's and two T's. So you can find me on Facebook and you can find me on Twitter and you can find me on Instagram and you can even find me on Telegraph. I just discovered that recently. Uh, But you also can find me at DarylProphet.com. And that's where I uh, share some of my thoughts and some of my writings. And I uh, have on there some of my reflections on grief and a whole lot about the goodness and love of God.
0: Boy, and I've been to those sites except for Telegraph. I, I'm probably back in the days of or the Telegraph, <laughs> the Pony Express. But uh, <laughs>
1: Well, I don't know how to use it yet either, but I've got it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, Daryl, thank you so much for being on today and uh, for getting ready to, to do another episode. And I appreciate you being with us. Thank you, Paul, for inviting Thank you. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, everybody, for watching and listening to another episode of Grace to All with Paul Gray. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.